welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus Lad, and today what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about the Legion of Superheroes, but maybe I should circle back to that in just a sec. The music that you're listening to right now is, believe it or not, a lot more topical than you might think. This is, uh, it's a, a genre that's called uh, synthwave, right? And the basic idea is that it's, it, it's a little bit of a fetishization of 1980s uh, culture, right? If it sounds very 80s to you, well, that means that the songwriter, Mitch Murder, did his job, right? Now, the connective tissue here for all of this, is, and I talked a little bit about this on the Trennis Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group a little while back, but the connective tissue for all of this, really what it comes down to is the Legion of Superheroes, and specifically one of the reasons that I haven't done very many episodes about the Legion of Superheroes I think I've gotten like two, maybe three under my belt, but that's about it. The The problem that I've always had with the Legion of Superheroes is that it's always been kind of hard to find a gateway into the material. Does that make sense? You know, it's... The Legion, they're, they're kind of unique in that, you know, there's not a... There's not a doomsday, you know, for the Legion, you know. There's not a nightfall for for the Legion of Superheroes. Or there's not a, a Batman Year One. Or there's not, uh, there, there's no terminal velocity, you know, just on and on and on. These really big and famous kind of crowd-pleasing types of stories that just about anybody can pick up and read and get something out of. The Legion doesn't really have anything like that. Now, typically, whenever I say that to people, the the most common response is, Bit Magnus, Bit Magnus, what about the Great Darkness Saga? To which I say, yeah, the, the Great Darkness Saga. First off, guys, I've read it. And, you know, I mean, that, you know, what I've retained of it, you know, yeah, it's a good story. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, this is not a... Uh, a story for the masses, the Great Darkness Saga. That's just really not uh, a story that's going to take the public by storm, you know? Anyway, I'm rambling. The point is, like I say, there's not really an entry point into the Legion of Superheroes, right? And that's always been kind of the problem that I've had with it. You know, this is... The Legion really is kind of taster's blend of superhero comics. You know, this... The I've often said that Deadpool is the comic book for people who don't like comic books, Right? Whereas The Legion of Superheroes, this is a comic book for people who are fucking addicted to comic books. And so the, the struggle that I always had was that I didn't have an entry point. You know, there's, there wasn't anything that was really obvious or prominent that I could talk about on my show and, and make an episode out of. You know, or there's not much. Put it that way. There's not much. And one of the things that I knew for sure was that I wanted any Legion of Superheroes episode that I do to have kind of a unique musical identity. And the realization that I had when I was listening to some Synthwave uh, a couple of weeks ago was, you know what? I don't know if this is necessarily appropriate for every single iteration of the Legion of Superheroes, but 
as a genre, you know, I think synthwave is actually uniquely appropriate for at least some iterations of the Legion of Superheroes, right? And I guess what I mean by that is the, uh, and I kind of touched upon this a, a second ago a little bit, um, just to kind of introduce the topic. You know, the connective tissue here between this synthwave music that you're listening to and the Legion of Superheroes is that in my mind, right? This is just my opinion. Take it as no more than that. I'm just some asshole who reads a lot of comics. But in my opinion, I've all, well, not even my opinion, I guess maybe more like my estimation that post-crisis, pre-zero hour iteration of the Legion of Superheroes, basically the one that existed from 1986 to 1994, there was something that was just so uniquely 80s about that iteration of the Legion, you know? And what I eventually hit upon whenever I was listening to all this synthwave was when you come right down to it, you know, it's there may be some accuracy in saying that the Legion of Superheroes is basically Star Trek with capes, but you know, I do think there's something to that, you know? And there's uh I don't know, this there's a there there's a a hope and an optimism that I at least have always always associated with the Legion circa 1986 to 1984 with well like I say I mean I don't even know how else to put it except for this kind of this tone and atmosphere of hope you know that no matter how bad things ever get for the Legion victory is just one smart decision away you know or one act of love away or one sacrificial uh, sacrificial move away you know and so on and so on you know there's there's just uh there's just a hope that that the Legion of Superheroes represents. And in a weird kind of way, I think I actually can tie that back with Synthwave, you know, from the standpoint of that. And this is what I think Synthwave is really symptomatic of, but that kind of, you know, retro future 1980s, you know, idealistic aspiration of what the future is going to be and what the future is going to bring. Not so much 1980s culture itself, although mm, somewhat, but more, you know, what, you know, the saying goes that you can tell a lot about a civilization based upon its art, right? And when you look at the, look at the, I don't know, maybe you could even think of this as being kind of like art for the masses, but still it was art, you know, like those, remember those old trapper keepers from, you know, the 1980s that had those kind of, well, today we would call them those kind of 1980s retro future uh, cityscapes or landscapes or, or, you know, 3D wire models and all these other sorts of things. And the idea behind a lot of that art, you know, pop art though it may be, uh, or art for the masses, maybe as some of you would want to say it, the idea behind it though was nevertheless that, you know what, the future is going to be fucking awesome, dude. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great place to live. It's going to be a great place to raise a family. It's going to be fucking awesome, you know? And that was very much, I think, the spirit behind a lot of that uh, a lot of that type of art. And if you're just totally blanking on what I'm talking about right now, I'm going to try to include some kind of, uh, 1980s era, you know, sort of retro futurism, uh, you know, pieces of art or a piece of art or just however I can figure this out. 
so that you guys can kind of glom on to what I'm saying here a little bit better, right? And um, my point in saying all of this, talk about taking the long way to get there, but my point in saying all of this is that, you know, Synthwave is actually a pretty good soundtrack for the Legion, at least the Legion from 1986 to 1994. Now, anything other than that, guys, I'm not going to make any pretense about having a good piece of music for that. But at least for, you know, this era of the Legion, what you might call the five years later Legion, yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I think this is a completely valid soundtrack, you know, for this era of the Legion, the five years later. And I would say, you know, maybe that's a little bit too specific, but again, like the post-1986, pre-Zero Hour, that kind of interstitial era of the Legion, you know, I think that's actually very appropriate, you know, Synthwave. Now, here again, a lot of people hearing that are going to say, but Magnus, but Magnus, five years later is all about darkness and how the Legion got its ass kicked. How can you draw a comparison between, well, I'll tell you how. Basically, you know, the Legion, whenever you see them in the Legion of Superheroes, volume four, number one, which is to say really the, the beginning of the five years later era, this is a legion that has been disbanded, all right? Uh, you know, you don't even really have a legion of superheroes anymore. You just have a bunch of people who used to be legionnaires, and that's it. You know, they used to be members of the team. But the thing about it is, you know... <sighs> they still have their ideals, you know? They still have the dream. You know, they, they know what they... They know what their vision of the future is, and even though it's been taken away from them in that moment, they nevertheless have it. You know, the darkness that's encroached upon the world at, uh, by the beginning of the first issue of the Five Years Later era, you know, this has, it has affected the Legionnaires in as much as, you know, they're not Legionnaires anymore, but... Okay, sorry about that. Had to take a uh, call there. But um, anyway, so this stuff has affected the Legionnaires in the sense that they're not Legionnaires anymore. They're not members of the Legion of Superheroes anymore. But it hasn't, it hasn't changed them. Does that make sense? You know, the world that they live in is obviously less than ideal. You know, this, this sort of, uh, well, whatever, we'll circle back to that. <clears throat> But the point is, you know, their ideals remain the same, their morals remain the same, the dream remains the same. It's really just the fact that they've suffered, I would say, a, a pretty serious setback. That's really, it's really the context in which they live. You know, the world that they live in, that's what makes the difference. And so, you know, all of that, you know, it did kind of give me a little bit of a, a an entry point into at least the five years later era of the Legion. And so what I've decided is, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and do some shows about the five years later Legion. You know, uh, whenever I bring Trennis Magnus Punch's reality back, which here again, I'm not really sure when that's going to happen. You understand? But I do want to talk about some five years later era Legion. I mean, for one thing, I don't know that all that many people are really talking about the Five Years Later Legion. So, you know, just like right there, I'm kind of different from most people. But the other thing is, you know, when I when I started reading some Five Years Later Legion, uh, or rereading in some cases, uh, some Five Years Later Legion 
a week ago, a week-ish, two weeks ago, something like that. One of the realizations that I had was that, you know, the, I guess the post-Watchmen, post-Howard Shaken, you know, Stars and, not Stars and Stripes, what was Howard Shaken's big, th- I forget. Anyway, whatever it was that Howard Shaken was kind of famous for in the 80s, you know, post that, post uh, Dark Knight Returns and all that stuff. You know, people tend to bring that stuff up, you know, the clear influences that the Legion five years later stuff brought to the table. And I think they overlook how many risks and chances uh, uh, Keith Giffen took. And I would say, obviously, the beer bombs as well. But Keith Giffen took with the five years later era that Watchmen is a really interesting story. But when you come right down to it, it didn't really affect the DC universe, at least at that time, how things change. But, you know, at least at that time, it didn't really affect goings on in mainstream DC universe continuity, you know? Uh, The Dark Knight Returns did not affect goings on in mainstream day-to-day DC universe continuity, you know? Um, Howard Shaken's... Basically anything, really. I'm at a loss to think of anything, uh, too much of anything that Howard Shaken did for DC that was in regular continuity. So, you know, there's another example. A lot of this stuff, and this is my point, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this, you know, really important, real heavyweight, really memorable stuff that everybody remembers, all these risks, creative risks that DC took in the 80s, the great majority of it was pretty much hands off as far as continuity is concerned. You know, one might say, especially, you know, all of DC's Vertigo stuff existed independently of the mainstream DC universe, whereas the five years later Legion didn't. Okay, this stuff is in continuity. All right. This post-crisis DC universe that was arguably still embryonic at the time that the five years later Legion debuted the five years later Legion affected, you know, that stuff is in continuity. That stuff is important. It matters. There were huge creative risks that were being taken with the material. And there was no reason for Keith Giffen, at least not necessarily, there was no reason for him to automatically assume that this was going to be a huge breakout, knock it out of the park, home run type of success. And I don't, As it happens, I don't think this iteration of the Legion was all that commercially successful. So, you know, if he was pessimistic, I would say he was very well justified in being pessimistic. But the point is, you know, everybody kisses DC Comics' ass, and I rightly so, I would say, but everybody, you know, kisses their ass for all of these really memorable and groundbreaking uh, stories that were published in the 1980s. And they tend to forget you know, how little of that really affected continuity, you know? And, you know, guys, I mean, I I try not to be, you know, too big of a stickler about continuity, but one of the things that, one of the reasons that I'm never really going to completely respect Alex Ross as a, as an artist, just to kind of pick on him for a minute. One of the reasons that I'm, that I've always had a very hard time respecting Alex Ross is because So much of what he does is outside of continuity. You know, it's Elseworlds or it's this, that, or the other thing. It just, it's in Alex Ross universe, you know? And it's, it's almost like the prima donna thinks, 
he doesn't need to be bothered with continuity, that that's for the plebs, but he operates on such a more advanced and sophisticated level that his art shouldn't mingle with the commoners, you know? And I don't know if that's his actual attitude about it, but I do kind of wonder about that some, especially when it comes to dealing with his fucking fans, you know? Whereas Keith Giffen, he didn't have, for whatever reason, he didn't have that attitude about it, you know? He took one of, you know, what had been one of the premier DC comic books of its time and took a shitload of chances with it. I mean, you know, the the change in tone, um the the storytelling risks that 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 he brought to the table. There's also the fact that this is I would say well, it's not even a matter of subjective opinion. This is a warm reboot of Legion continuity, you know? their first major attempt to divorce themselves from Superboy. And, you know, for whether John Byrne made the right decision by removing Superboy from Superman's continuity or not, he nevertheless made that decision. And there's a strong argument that the Legion of Superheroes has never completely recovered from that, from that decision on the part of John Byrne. And far be it for me to criticize Byrne for that either. I mean, you know, I, I I would put John Byrne's run on Superman up against just about anything that the man has ever done, you know, in terms of just sheer consistency and vision and execution, the whole thing, you know. But at the same time, there's no denying the fact that removing Superboy from the DC universe posed a unique challenge for the Legion of Superheroes, and I'll give Keith Giffen a shit ton of credit for really trying his best to roll with that punch, you know? It wasn't his idea, nobody consulted him about it, and it was one of those things that nobody was going to make too big of a stink about during Paul Levitz's era, because who is going to tell Paul Levitz, one of the publishers or co-publishers or something like that of DC Comics, who's going to tell him what's what? whenever he's writing the Legion of Superheroes? Probably nobody. But Keith Giffen didn't have Paul Levitz's same clout. He didn't have that same level of protection. And so when the edict was handed down to Keith Giffen, because nobody was going to hand it down to Paul Levitz, but when the edict was handed down to Keith Giffen, hey, guess what? This book that you're working on right now has nothing to do with Superman, has nothing to do with Superboy. You're going to have to figure out how best to deal with this all on your own. You know, he rolled with that about as well as he possibly could. You know, he's not even allowed to say the name Superboy, you know. And I guess people can, they can love the Five Years Later Legion or they can hate it. They can criticize it, you know, fucking whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, Keith Giffen took a lot of risks with the material. He had a lot of challenges and things that were happening behind the scenes that caused more trouble for him than, you know, he originally bargained for. And, you know, in the main, I would say that Legion of Superheroes five years later, to me, it kind of goes to the heart. In a weird kind of way, it goes to the heart of what the Legion of Superheroes is all about in that. You know, these are very dense and opaque comics. These are not necessarily 
intended to be somebody's introduction to comics and the language of storytelling in comics and all of that. You know, these are not the comics you would want to use to introduce somebody to comics, you know, and maybe that's appropriate. You know, five years later, Legion, it was a challenge for uh, readers who were new to the Legion. It was a challenge. It, it was a challenge for uh, big Legion fans and Legion veterans. People who have followed the Legion of Superheroes through thick and thin and followed them, you know, and nobody ever nobody was ever on you know sure footing at least to start with when it comes to the five years later legion and part of me thinks like i say you know maybe that's actually appropriate in a weird kind of way because the legion of superheroes is like the comic book of all comic books you know this is the legion of superheroes has always been very dense and very insular and and just not necessarily an easy nut to crack and it in a weird kind of way, it seems fitting to me then that maybe it's appropriate that the five years later Legion in its own way be a challenge, not only to people who are new to the Legion, but even to the veterans, you know, even they are going to get sent to school a little bit when it comes to their knowledge of Legion lore and all of these obscure references that are going on and the, and the more challenging uh, storytelling style that Keith Giffen employs for, I would say, a pretty good bit of his run on the Legion. And so, anyway, all of this is is a really freaking long way of me saying that, yeah, when the time comes, I do want to start hashing through the the five years later Legion. Now, I'm I am not going to prepare. Uh, I am not prepared to say that I'm going to be able to make my way through the entire Keith Giffen run on Legion. You know, it would. Part of me wants to say that you know, I, that I do promise that. It's it's actually kind of tempting to promise that, guys. I make no guarantee. The only guarantee that I'm going to make to you is that I'm going to talk about at some point or another, Legion of Superheroes Volume Four, Number One. Hopefully, more of the Five Year Later Legion after that point. But certainly, I'm going to make that commitment right now. When Trennis Magnus punches reality comes back from exile sooner or later I'm going to talk about Legion of Superheroes volume 4 number 1 for all the reasons that I just outlined you know and it's actually something that I'm actually kind of looking forward to you know this you know as I've just tried to mull it over in my mind and figure out you know how best to do all of this yeah this actually sounds like it's actually going to be a lot of fun you know at least the one or two or three issues that I'm able to get to. Actually, they sound like they're going to be a lot of fun. So all of that is to say that the music that you've been listening to, the synthwave stuff, is probably going to be the soundtrack for those episodes. And so what this in, uh, what this portends for the Three Boot Legion or the Post Zero Hour Legion or the Pre-Crisis Legion or... I don't know, maybe like the unbooted Legion. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm actually going to go on the record right now when it comes to the unbooted Legion. You know, basically the post-Infinite Crisis Legion. That It's it's kind of like a return to the pre-Crisis or Crisis-era Legion of Superheroes. Guys, I've read a lot of that stuff. And, you know, all due respect to Paul Levitz and, you know, all of the different, you know, 
artists and writers that were working on those comics, but man, those issues really did leave me cold. You know, I really like those adventure comics uh, issues that uh, Levitz wrote. I want to say this is like circa 2009 or 10 or something like that. I really got into those. Those were a ton of fun. But that era lasted like a year or even less. And then, I don't know, it just ended. Like maybe adventure comics became sort of like a Legion Academy type of book. I forget. It Something happened and it's like the one bright spot for me that was going on with the Legion at that time got fucking taken away. And so it's like, fuck. So I've got these mediocre new like 31st era 31st century era legion comics that are coming out and then like the flashback stuff the adventure comics stuff that i was really enjoying and getting into well now that stuff's gone away so fuck my life so yeah i'm probably never going to talk about those comics or at least i seriously doubt that i will i mean i guess never say never but i'm i'm gonna say it's very highly improbable that I'm going to ever talk about those post uh, Infinite Crisis, Return of the Pre-Crisis Legion, the Unbooted Legion, uh, the Reverted Legion, whatever you want to call it. Probably never going to talk about that era of uh, the Legion of Superheroes. But what, but what all of this stuff means, you know, this Legion stuff that I'm going to be doing, certainly with the five years later, later era, but, you know, certainly with, you know, post-Zero Hour... Uh, the three boot legion, the pre-crisis legion, you know, what all that stuff may or may not be happening, I cannot say. But certainly, I will make the gold-plated cr- promise that, unless I die or something, I promise you that I will talk about, at the very least, Legion of Superheroes, Volume 4, Number 1, and we'll just see where things go after that, alright? So anyway, so I think that's pretty much it for me for right now, so... Bye, everybody. Oh, actually, before I say bye, everybody, I'll see you next week. Um, what I'm saying is I don't know what music I want to use for those episodes, assuming there will even be any. You know, the Pre-Crisis Legion, uh, Post-Zero Hour, Three Boot Legion, you know, all of those different eras. I don't know what, if any, music I'm going to use for those episodes, but certainly I will be using Synthwave for the Five Years Later uh, era Legion. For the exact reason that this is what they are aspiring to, you know, this kind of 1980s retro future idealistic uh, vision of the future. That's what I think the five years later era Legion is kind of aspiring to. And arguably they do in the end achieve, you know, spoiler alert, but they do eventually get their groove back, you know. So anyway, that's why the music for those episodes will be the synthwave stuff, like I say. So it may seem like it's it's kind of tonally dissonant, but it, it actually, it really isn't. Because it, it's supposed to be about the Legion, not necessarily the world that they live in. But anyway, I'm already kind of rambling and getting off topic of the off topic of the off topic. So bye, everybody. I will see you next time. So I think that's just about the end of that. 
Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at TrentusMagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with DeMonzacore of Milan, Italy.